Hello, thank you for joining me. Tonight I'm going to be speaking on a topic that's not very popular in church today, but what else is new? Hallelujah. What else is new? I'm about, I'm about exposing the enemy and about preaching the word of God, about sharing what God has placed on my heart for this time. Hallelujah. For this season. So I hope you join me tonight as we go in. I, I just believe you're going to receive a word from God tonight that's going to push you closer into the presence of God. It's going to push you into the presence of God. It's going to draw you in as you deny yourself. As you deny yourself, I love to see more men and women of God deny themselves that they would inherit the kingdom, that they would receive all that God has for them. Hallelujah. So nothing has the potential to delay and destroy in our lives like the flesh does. There are three enemies that we face each and every day, the world, the devil, and the flesh. And we need to be aware, we need to keep our eyes wide open for all three of these enemies. But the flesh is alive and well. The flesh is alive and well. How many know that? The flesh is with us. This flesh suit that we live in is with us. It's right here walking with us every single day. It's alive and well, so we need to be aware of its urges, of its cravings, of the way it's pulling us, because we need to submit to the Spirit, but we must first deny the flesh. The flesh is a part of us, although the Spirit of God also dwells within us. The flesh also seeks its own. It longs for pleasure and fulfillment in this, in this tangible world, the tangible things of this world, the pleasures of this life. And the flesh is completely self-centered. It has to do with being self-centered. And all sin comes out of self-centeredness. So the flesh calls out to us. The, the flesh has a voice. And those who take heed to the voice of the flesh choose their desires over the needs of others. It, it chooses its own desires. The flesh chooses its own desires over the things that God is calling us to, which is love, which is serving one another, which is serving God. Romans 8, 6 says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Hallelujah. Life and peace. Praise you, Lord. I praise you, God, that you impart life and peace to us. So there's an extreme contrast that was pointed out there, and it's death or life, life or death. Those who walk in the spirit receive life and peace, but the flesh can't produce anything beyond this present time. So our bodies of flesh deteriorate and eventually die, but the spirit lives on and never dies. We want the spiritual things. We don't want the tangible things. We don't need, want the things that will pass away, that will burn away at the last day. We don't want those things. The spirit is eternal and will always lead us to take part in the works that produce imperishable results. That's the fruit we want. We don't want rotten fruit, which is produced from the flesh. We want that fresh fruit, that fruit that will last, that will outlast this present world, this present state. So I think we've all heard the saying, do what makes you happy. We need to examine that statement when it comes to the word of God. We need to go to the word of God on that one. So we need to look at this with regard to the scriptures. So what makes us happy doesn't always make God happy, does it? What makes us happy doesn't always make the Lord happy, and we need to know what pleases the Lord. 
In fact, most of the things that make us happy in this life aren't pleasing at all to God, if you really think about it. So this is why Paul wrote to the Galatians in Galatians 2.20 and said, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So there are two parts of this scripture that stand out to me, and I want to talk about them. The first is, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the second is, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what does it mean to no longer live? It means that if Christ lives in us, then we should be compelled to deny ourselves. We should be compelled to deny the flesh that Christ may have his way in us. Jesus paid the price. It was very costly. Oh, praise God. It was costly that Jesus went to the cross, that he shed his own blood, that he would have a place in us, that he would be able to dwell in us, to live in us, to produce great fruit, to, re to produce these imperishable results, to give us a new start, a new life to cleanse us, to purify us, to set us on a different course. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I once heard a man talking about his rights as a Christian. As a Christian, we have no rights. We have no rights. We've laid them down. As Christians, we are called to surrender our dreams, our desires, and anything we're holding on to, every aspect of our life, we're to lay it down. Lay it down. Give it to Jesus. And I'm not saying you have to give up every single thing that uh, has been placed inside of you by the Lord. No, don't give up anything that the Lord has spoken to you on, anything that you know is the will of, will of God. But what I'm saying is surrender those things that are in your flesh. Okay, you may have a dream, but it's not God's desire for you. You may have a dream to be an author, but God has called you to be a teacher. God has called you to a different, uh, to a different skill, to a different ability, to a different vocation. God may have called you to a different area. Okay. You, you may want to be a teacher, but God is calling you to be uh, a janitor. God calls us to different areas, different jobs, different tasks, different giftings. He's placed in us for a purpose. Uh, you may want to be a musician. God may say, I want you to lay that down before me because that's not what I've called you to. I've called you to something else. And you may continue to do that. But you're, now you're making a decision to listen to your flesh over the voice of God. God may very well bring you back to that dream, to that passion, to that desire that you had. But if it's not from him, it's not going to produce any fruit. And I hope that I'm making that clear to you. I hope I'm speaking clearly enough that you can understand what I'm saying. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor that you through his poverty might become rich. Wow. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus didn't enter this world in a way that was suitable for a king. In fact, he didn't even enter this world that, in a way that was suitable for a common person. He was born in a manger, a barn where the animals were kept. His crib was actually a feeding trough for his first couple of days on this earth. You need to really slow it down and think about this. How did Jesus enter this earth? How did Jesus live? How was he expecting to be treated? 
Even after he left his home to travel and preach the gospel, many nights he had no place to sleep. He depended on the Father for all of his provision everywhere he went. Everywhere he went, he depended on the Father. He could only do what he saw the Father doing. He didn't expect his meals to be served on a silver platter. He was full of mercy and love, even at his crucifixion. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was tortured. For what? Not for the righteous, but for sinners. For sinners, for us. For us, we had fallen short. We had gone so far from him, but he continued to pursue us. He continued to chase us down. He continued to come after us. He wanted us to know how much we were loved, and he showed us that. He expressed that through the cross. So the Lord knew that there was nothing in this world that could compare to the kingdom of God, which is to come, and we should know that. Nothing in this world, no pleasure of this life, no pleasure of the flesh could compare to the world that is to come, the kingdom that is to come, hallelujah, through salvation, through the cross, through what Jesus has done. He has purchased us. So he knew that to do the will of the Father was the reason he came to earth to begin with. And there was no other voice that would dictate his path. He's the good shepherd. We're to tune our ears to him. We're to tune in our spiritual ears to the voice of the Holy Spirit, to the voice of the good shepherd, to the voice of God. Hallelujah. He's our shepherd. Tune your ears in right now. God may want to speak something to you in this moment. God may have a word for you. He may say, that's your dream right now. You've laid down your dreams. You've laid down your rights. You've laid down everything. You've surrendered to me. And now He's he may be very well speaking to you, but you need to be quiet. You need to quiet yourself. You need to listen. Let's just leave a moment to just soak in the presence of God and to hear the voice of Jesus. Sibu conda vasada, shibu sobu conda vasada ravashi, sabayendo ramba vashendo. Jesus, whatever he calls you to, he's going to bring you through. Whatever he calls you to, he's going to empower you for by his spirit. This morning I got a word and it was fresh start, fresh start. And I pray there's a fresh start for you, for those who need a fresh start, for those who have come to a place of a new beginning. beginning. And I believe God is bringing many of you back to the place where you started with Jesus. Don't forget your first love. Don't forget the, for, don't forget the first works. Don't forget the things that you did in the beginning. Do them again. Don't forget that fresh start. Don't forget that new beginning, that place that God has brought you from. Don't you dare forget. Stay connected to Jesus through, through reading your word, through prayer, through talking to Jesus in the good, in the bad, in the highs, in the lows. But another way you're going to stay connected is by remembering, by remembering what God has done in your life. It's so easy to forget those moments where God pulled us from the pit where he healed us, he delivered us, he saved us. It's easy to, to let time pass and to get caught up with the day-to-day the -day monotony, the day-to-day -day struggles and cares of this life and to forget what God has done. But don't forget, don't you dare forget where he brought you from. 
I want to go on to say, or, or to read what Paul said. Paul said this in Philippians 3.8, Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them as rubbish, that I might gain Christ. That I may gain Christ. So Paul knew there was a cost associated with following Christ, and that cost was great. He was radically saved and set on a completely different course when he encountered Jesus. He was willing to take Jesus at his word. He was willing to lose everything he had gained, everything he had gained, including his reputation among his people. He had to lose himself before he could see his identity in Christ. You have to lose your identity before you gain your true identity. Hallelujah. You need to leave that old life behind to gain the new life that God has purchased for you through his son, Jesus. That new life in Jesus is what we want. That new life in Jesus is what we are striving for. And if you've already begun to believe and follow, and if you've repented, you're already living that life. Let the spirit have his way. Let the spirit of God have his way in you. So Paul knew what mattered most in life was gaining an eternity with God. All that we possess on this planet isn't ours at all, is it? We can't own anything because it's already the Lord's. The Lord owns it all. He owns cattle on a thousand hills. There's nothing we can own. It's all borrowed. Our time is borrowed. Our possessions are borrowed. We can say, I own that car. I own that house. I own that shopping center. I, whatever you may own, it's not yours. So we need to be very careful about how we're spending our time, our treasures, and our talents. Because what will it amount to? I once heard someone say, this life soon will pass, but only what's done for Christ will last. Let that resonate right now. Let that resonate. Understand that when all of this is over and we can work no longer, we're going to stand before the great saints, the saints of old, great men and women of God on the other side of eternity. And they're going to ask you, what did you do for Christ? And what are you going to have to tell them? Think on that. Think on these things. Pray, draw close to the Lord. We're living on borrowed time. Money can't buy time, but we can redeem the time by making the most of every opportunity. We steward the giftings and abilities that God has endowed us with. We should use them wisely while continually asking for an eternal perspective in prayer. As we pray throughout our day, we need to ask for an eternal perspective. An eternal perspective is seeing those things that truly matter eternally and leaving those things to the side that don't putting them on the back burner hallelujah putting them on the back burner and i'll use an example as to say if i'm running five minutes late because i'm stopping to witness to someone about jesus i'm stopping to pray for healing for someone who i see can't walk someone who I see is deaf, someone who I see is in pain, or just to, to merely say, Jesus loves you. 
that might seem like a simple thing, but you might change the course of someone's life. You may lead someone to Jesus, to salvation. If you would only stop for that five minutes, if you're late to work, you'll figure it out. God will have grace upon your life. If you're late to church, the pastor should have grace for you. Many times they don't, unfortunately. I don't know. Sometimes they won't believe you that you, you were late because you were witnessing to someone. But we need to, we need to see a, a change in the hearts of some of the pastors out there. And I'm not trying to speak badly about pastors. But sometimes pastors don't have the same mentality as evangelists do, as those who are evangelizing. And I'm going off on a tangent here, but I want to tell you, get that eternal perspective. Pray for that eternal perspective. Pray that you would see those things that will never pass away and make them your priority. There are so many ways that we can use the gifts of God that have been given to us. Some of those ways benefit us and some benefit others. If we allow ourselves to be so focused on what this world calls success, we might miss the opportunity to express Christ's love, and then we've missed it. Don't miss the opportunity to share the love of Christ. Don't miss the opportunity to share the good news, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out devils, to see people healed, saved, and delivered among us. Don't miss your opportunity. Don't miss your opportunity to love on someone. And a lot of times people don't want to hear about it. They don't want to hear about Jesus. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care many of the, many times, most of the time. So let's focus on loving on people. And as we love them, as we meet the need physically, maybe to feed them, maybe to clothe them, as you're doing that, share the gospel, share the love, give them a hug, show them, tell them you're going to make it. You're going to make it because Jesus is Jesus is with you. He's walking with you. He's talking with you. He's there to listen. Yes, he hears your prayers. I don't care what others have told you that God's not listening, but he hears you. Call out to him. Cry out to him from your heart. I tell you, I'd rather see 10,000 saved than to make $10,000. Let's use our times, treasures, and talents wisely. That $10,000, if you made it, all right, theoretically, $10,000, hypothetically, if you made it, it would be spent quickly. But 10,000 souls would forever be singing praises to God, would forever receive salvation, would be there eternally with God. These are the comparisons that I'm trying to make to, under, to, to help you to understand what an eternal perspective is all about. And I, I plan on speaking on that eternal perspective, what that means in greater depth on the next video, on the next live feed. But I want you to really just let that resonate. Meditate. Eternal perspective. Eternal perspective. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, that you are eternal. Hallelujah. That you're the one who is from the beginning. Lord, before there was a beginning, you existed. You're self-sufficient. You don't need anyone, but you created us to have fellowship with mankind, to show us your love, to show us that even as far as we have gone from you, 
you've made a way to redeem us. You sent your one and only son that through your arm, you would reconcile us back unto yourself. Lord God, you've expressed your love. You've expressed how great you are. Oh, thank you. We serve a great, great God, an awesome God, a God who provides, a God who protects, a God who never leaves us alone. Jesus, help us to set our eyes on you. Help us to have that eternal perspective that sees souls, not dollar signs, that sees souls, not another number, that sees souls, that sees those eternal things that don't pass away, that sees opportunities to love and to impart the anointing, to impart those spiritual things that you have imparted to us. Hallelujah. 